and reading, at their very best, are a social experience. Whether it be a book club, a poetry slam, or the production of a play, words are meant to be shared. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your host, Carrie. We've been in a book club together for over a decade and enjoy talking about what we're reading, but in so many ways, we are opposites. Carrie is a cat lover, but I'm a dog nut. Amy loves a good party, while I prefer to wear my fuzzy socks while introverting on the couch. But books are the tie that binds. Each week, we have fun conversations with interesting people about how books and reading influence their lives. We will find out what books are on their nightstands and ask them about five things that make them who they are. We invite you to learn more about the many perks of being a book lover. With many libraries across the country having to stay closed due to the coronavirus pandemic, patrons may have more time to discover all the resources libraries have to offer that aren't between the four walls of a library building. While many of us may be nostalgic about those card catalogs and the checkout card pockets glued inside the backs of books, libraries have become focused on information in all forms and the best way to get it to all of us at home. Our guest today, Patty Clark, is a digital services librarian with the Oldham County Library System. Oldham County is a more rural and suburban county on the far outskirts of Louisville, Kentucky. The Oldham County Library System is a member of the Kentucky Library Consortium, as are most of the library systems within the state, except for the large independent library systems in Louisville and Lexington. Members of the consortium pool their resources to offer their patrons as many services as possible. And while Patty is most familiar with her own library, many of the services we talk about today are ones that can be found in libraries throughout the country. If you aren't sure if your library offers these services, don't be afraid to ask. We'd originally recorded with Patty in February, but the pandemic changed things immensely, and we wanted to ensure listeners had current info, so we appreciate her being game to do it again. Patty tells us about some of the special features ebooks from your library offer that you may not know about, why you should always put yourself on the waiting list for a highly sought after book, even if that list seems ridiculously long, and about some services libraries offer that may just spark a new hobby, which is fun for when you're under quarantine. Amy and I are testing remote recording and we have brought Patty Clark in. She is a digital services librarian at Oldham County Public Library. We are are physical distancing, but trying to stay socially close. So Patty, thanks for joining us. Thank you. You're welcome. This is so fun. We're, We're getting to talk distantly, but it feels like we're right next to each other. Almost, right? No, not really. It doesn't feel that way at all. I wish you could be here with us in person, Patty. But tell us a little bit about what you do at Oldham County Public Library. Well, I have been a librarian for quite some time, and I came here about two and a half years ago. My title is Digital Services Librarian, and primarily what I do is help people with computers and software and digital resources. And I prefer to work individually with people rather than computer classes because most people have one specific thing that they're having trouble doing or difficulty or want to learn. So I schedule appointments and work with people with everything from learning Excel to adding apps, devices about ebooks and audiobooks. And the library still offers help. I just can't do that in person. So since I have this platform or opportunity, the libraries all around the country still want to help people. And you can usually contact a library and send a message through social media, leave a voice message, anything like that. We know that 
the public still want to have access to resources. And that's one of the things that we're doing. And we monitor them, we check them quite frequently, but it may be 24 hours before we can get back to people. So who knows what the job will be exactly when we get back. Because I know like with the Louisville Free Public Library, you can't pick up actual physical books and they're not letting people return their physical books. But if somebody would need help at Oldham County Public Library, and I, I would assume Louisville Free Public is the same, they could call you all and you could talk them through maybe how to download an audiobook or something like that. Absolutely. Or through social media messages, that also works. A couple of the people at our library are monitoring that sort of in the background whenever we are on our computers and able to. And I okay. it's going to be not just our two libraries, but all around. So is Oldham County the same and like with the Louisville Free Public where people can no longer drop off physical books? Is that still the same? Yes. Okay. Stopped having people in the building several weeks ago. And then we were allowing drive-through pickups. We have a drive-up window just like banks or that kind of thing. So at the main library, we were doing that. And then we finally just had to say, no, even if we have gloves on, even if we wipe the books, even if we're doing everything, there's just too much of an opportunity for these little gremlin germs to get passed from us or from the patrons to us. Our patrons are still allowed to drop off their books through the book drop. We're encouraging them to keep them, but if they do drop them off, they're being quarantined for 14 days and we'll deal with them down the road. Originally, and we should say this, we had had Patty on before. So when we first talked you had talked about some of the policies that publishers had in place for ebooks and audiobooks, but that has since changed a little bit because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So could you talk to us a little bit about what those policies are, what it looks like now for somebody who's interested in ebooks and audiobooks? So one of the big ones that we talked about before was um, Macmillan Publisher, and they had changed their pricing that was just not at all acceptable for public libraries. They removed the pricing embargo with libraries for now. We don't know what will happen after that. In the meantime, we are greatly appreciative of that. There is a huge increase in demand for ebooks right now, ebooks, audiobooks. So libraries and the companies that supply these materials have been doing whatever we can to help people get access to them. So for instance, at our library, if their library cards have expired or if they have fines or if they don't have a library card, we're making it very, very easy to get a library card, basically just verifying them with the phone number for now. They're not taking any of our materials out of the building, so there's not a risk of the cost of that. And if more people use the e-resources during this time, Yay! I, I, we don't have a problem with that. The number of checkout, the checkout limit that we had had in place was raised from 10 to 15, and other libraries are doing similar. And there are also a lot of authors, including J.K. Rowling, who are offering free access to their books during this time on various platforms. So if you don't know how to use them or access them or want to learn, please feel free to contact any library. I'm assuming there's also great videos out there. Um, the one that most libraries are using right now, um, the books come from Overdrive and the app is called Libby. And it's a free app and has very good short little tutorials in it that tell you how to get started with that. So can you explain what the pricing was in a little more depth before they shifted gears because of the quarantining? 
basically was limiting the number of checkouts and the number of purchases that libraries could make and increase the costs to be prohibitive for most public libraries. I think I've got that close. That now that's no longer the case though. They're they're Correct. going back to their original model. Who knows what will happen after? But one of the silver linings of this whole pandemic, I think, is that people are becoming aware of all of the digital services that libraries offer that you don't need to go into a physical library to access. So I'm wondering what are some of the other services that your library and many other libraries offer um, that people have been asking about? Okay. With the eBooks, there's both eBooks that you read and e-audiobooks that you can listen to, and they have great advantages. For instance, the reading ones, you can change the font, you know, the fonts and the letters to make it large enough so you don't need your glasses. Uh, there's a lot of nice features on those that people are finding are terrific. And you don't have to return anything to the library and you don't have to pick up anything from the library. So that's very safe during this time. Some of the other resources that I think people are using a lot now is there are numerous ones that are online educational classes that offer everything from GED prep to business management to learning new software. The Kentucky Career Center is offering free virtual workshops on job searching, resumes, interview, and LinkedIn. And then the one that we just recently added during this pandemic, which we're very excited about, is called Tumblebooks Library, and it has digital picture books. It has math ebooks for grades K through six. I was playing with word problem book last night. That was sort of fun. They have ebooks through 12th grade, including fiction, graphic novels, poetry, AP English books. And then they also have resources for Spanish speakers. Wow. That's a lot of material. And that's just a little bit of it. And most libraries are also trying to to crank up as much as we can. I don't often use ebooks, but when I have, one of the things that I loved about them is that if there's a word that you don't know, or if if you're reading historical fiction or something, and there is a time period, or they refer to a painting, you can just click on that and it will tell you what the word means, or it'll take you to a website that will show you the painting. And yes. so that's a big positive for an ebook. Yes, absolutely. The other thing that I have found people are doing is you can take a screenshot if you're reading it on your digital device. And I know there's one group on Facebook that is looking for quotes and books that relate to this pandemic. Sometimes they're freaky and sometimes they're just reassuring, but you can save that way, or you can bookmark specific passages. If you're reading one book in a series, you can put holds on the other books in the series or tag them so that you know how to go forward with that. And with ebooks, they have plenty of picture books and easy books, teen books, um, all kinds of stuff. My husband is an e-book reader. Now I'm a I'm old school. I still like physical books. And I had picked up a hard copy of I think it's the fifth season. It's the N.K. Jemison book. And I read it. And then I said that, he, you know, I was done and he could read it. And so he started reading it. But he's been complaining because the print is so small. And he's like, I'm in my 50s. I can't do this. I need my ebook. That's part of what we've been doing during quarantine is he's been complaining about having to read a physical book. And I've been having to listen to him. So that's been fun. Yeah. I know we have a lot of people who do not 
have not adapted or don't want to read ebooks. And I'm very sorry we can't make the print books available. But during this time, while we're closed, our library staff are still working from home because there's a lot we can do. And we have a lot of people who are doing collection development research right now and trying to find more resources that we can add when we're back in. We had a Zoom call yesterday, and one of the gals mentioned that she's specifically looking for some of the older DVDs that we should be getting. And then some of those, of course, tie into a book or based on a book. So we might be getting those books as well. So we are continuing to buy print books, and we will not go back to that, but have that wonderful option soon. Return to quote-unquote normal. Whatever that may be. (laughs) So you talked a little bit about OverDrive and Libby, but there is also another service that many libraries use as well, RB Digital. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? That is another option. All of these are great while we're in this circumstance right now. They allow patrons to download eBooks. The content that is available to libraries, patrons, depends on what the library has subscribed to or licensed. And RB Digital, I believe, offers a lot of different collections of books and audio materials, and I think they also have movies and that type of thing. So depending on what your library offers, that's what you have the choice to do. Our platform with RB Digital right now has a lot of classic books, a lot that we all had to read in school or just some of those classics, but it varies. I know that the ones for Louisville Free Public Library, RB Digital is a much larger platform there. Yeah, I think that that is their main one. They also have Libby as well. But I know that the RB Digital through the Louisville Free Public Library also offers magazines if you want to browse magazines. And I know that the Louisville Free Public Library also offers some graphic novels and comic books. I'm not sure that it's through RB Digital. It might be through a separate program. Overdrive does also have magazines in there. I've used those several times when I'm traveling and I'm going to go on an airplane. I download a few magazines because I like just browsing through those on my iPad. Yeah, that's a great option if you just want something light to look through but don't want to necessarily immerse yourself in a book right now. I, I have to admit, I'm having a little bit of trouble. I'm in sort of a reading slump right now. I'm having trouble concentrating on my books. I don't know if anybody else is having this problem. But a magazine actually sounds pretty good right now. I usually use my reading time as my decompression from having to be busy and go, go, go. (laughs) Well, now that I'm not go, go, going and having conversations with people a lot during the day, I'm finding that the only time I'm setting aside to read is right before bed, which is not my norm. I'm with you, Amy. I'm actually reading less during the quarantining period than I normally do. And I'm having a hard time sticking with books that have any type of sadness or anything in them. And I was going through some lists of books that were I saw, and I decided to pick up Hawaii by James Michener. He used to write historical fiction, and they were great big books. But like the one on Alaska that I read a number of years ago, took it from when the mastodons and the mammoths were there right up through the Russians and Alaska becoming a state and everything. And they're just easy to escape into a place and a time. But I can't get into a lot of the other books I was hoping I might read right now. So Patty, one of the things like I tend to use RB Digital and part of that is because I like having a three week 
21 day period before I have to turn it in? Is the time frame is that a feature of each platform or is that something that libraries determine? I believe it has to do with the license agreement between okay. the publisher or the vendor and the either the library or the consortium. Oldham County Public Library is part of Kentucky Virtual Library, I think is the right term. So they set up all of the agreements for our library to work with. And ours with OverDrive and, and the Libby app are usually three weeks. But I know because I live in Jefferson County, I have 14 days if I'm using that platform. So any library that's in Kentucky that uses the Kentucky Library Consortium, would they have all of the same technical services that your library has because you're part of the consortium? Do they all share, I guess is what I'm saying? We do share. However, each library can also add on more resources if we choose to. And the way that the ebooks work is we can also add what's called a, it's when our library purchases an additional copy of a popular book. So for instance, when Where the Crawdads Sing was quite popular, we added additional e-copies of those and our patrons had priority for them. But if our patrons weren't using them, they were available for the full consortium. Right now, while we are in this situation, we have chosen to spend more of our materials budget to add more e-resources for our patrons because they are using it so much, which benefits our patrons. And then it also benefits the patrons statewide. Have you seen a big spike? I know because when we did our first interview with you, you had talked about how you all can monitor that and see in real time what people are doing. Have you looked at that recently with the quarantine and and seen changes? I'm not the person who specifically looks at that. Julie Wilson is the one who does. I know, however, that when we have had meetings the last couple of weeks, she has indicated we have more users signed up and, and more people using them. And a lot of people that have left messages or contacted the library about access So I don't know the specific spike number yet, but Mm -hmm. it will be significant. I have heard you say that people should get on the waiting list for a book that they're interested in. And if there's a long list of people waiting for it, then you will add an additional copy. Is that still true? Absolutely. And that's one of the things Julie watches all the time and adds as much as we can. So on the Oldham County Public Library's website, there are some resources, a couple of them, Universal Class, Learning Express Library. What are those? Are those some of the places where you had mentioned that you can find classes and skills upgrading opportunities? Absolutely. They are designed so that you can use them on any computer. Most of them you can also use on a device or something like that, but they're self-paced classes I took several last year because I wanted to look at it and see how the platform worked. And they're very, very good. I recommend them when people contact me about getting help doing a resume or learning a new skill because they have short videos in them. There are a couple of them that even include small tests or quizzes at the end, which basically is just a review of what you're learning. There are several of them that you can print a certificate at the end, a continuing education unit type documentation that you've taken the class. What about Ancestry.com? I know that patrons 
can utilize that through the Oldham County Public Library. Have there been any changes to that related to the quarantining? Access to Ancestry is library specific and people can come in and use Ancestry at our library when we're open for no charge, but it is not the full Ancestry database that someone could subscribe to. During the pandemic, Ancestry has opened it up so that our patrons can access this away from the library through the link on the library's webpage. Mm-hmm. If it isn't available for your library, I would suggest contacting your library, sending them a message, and see if they can provide access. I think at this point, we're asking for anything that we can do to help the patrons, and most companies are saying, yeah, let, let's do it. What can we do to help out? So Ancestry is great for a lot of the public resources that are available if you're doing genealogy work, and it's a great thing for people to be able to do while they are stuck at home. Well, that's great to know because I know there are a lot of people who are looking for some new hobbies uh, right about now, and maybe (laughs) doing a little genealogy would be on that list, but are there other services that the library offers that people might be interested in if they're looking for something to fill some of this quarantine time? Yeah, there's something, and it's not specific to my library at all. I did a class on it a couple years ago, but it's still fun. There's a lot of older documents, diaries and field notes and handwriting, written letters that have been digitized by places anywhere from research libraries to the Smithsonian and I'm sure there are some in Louisville as well, but they need to be transcribed. Someone needs to be able to read the handwriting and understand what it says. And many institutions are doing what's called crowdsourcing. So you can go to any of these websites. I think if you Google Smithsonian and transcription, you'll be taken to their specific website. Theirs is just terrific. They have all different kinds of materials there. And you sign up and they give you specific guidelines for what you can do. And you basically read someone's handwriting and then decide what it says and type it in. And then if they get consensus on what it says, then that document is much more useful because people can search for words and use the document in a much better way. And the people who are best at doing that seem to be the people who grew up writing cursive. So people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s can read documents that a lot of younger people cannot quite decipher. That's awesome because it's really a, an art form that we're losing because they most schools, I think, don't teach cursive anymore. I mean, I know that my adult son cannot read cursive. And it's so interesting what's out there to read and to learn about. And if you have any specific skills, I know sometime last year, the Smithsonian was putting up field notes for some biology explorers. So if you have knowledge of some of the biological terms that might appear, it would obviously be much easier for you to do than someone else. I saw on Facebook, actually, it's been within the last probably week, week and a half, uh, the Filson Society in Louisville, they showed it was a letter written by someone in Louisville during the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic. And it was about all the measures that they were taking at that time to keep people safe. So, you know, churches were closed and dances were canceled. And it was in cursive. The letter was in cursive, but beneath it, 
it had been transcribed. And even though I can read cursive, a lot of those old documents, and just because people have different styles of of handwriting, it was difficult to read. So even though I can read cursive, I appreciated the fact that it was transcribed to learn about, you know, what people over a hundred years ago had experienced when they were in similar circumstances. So that was, that was interesting for me. And I think that I would be remiss if I did not say that one of the things that many of us have seen difficulties reading cursive is census records. Mm. And I know if I go back and look for my great grandparents, a lot of the census documents are there, but trying to understand what the letters are, there's a lot of misspellings, that type of thing. So people, please fill out your census forms this month <laughs> by sitting at home. So have you found that people are surprised by how much technology librarians use? Has that been surprising to you? I don't think so. I think that when people walk in and if they haven't been in a library in a while, well, welcome. Um, some are sentimental about the card catalog that they grew up with or used. But I think most people recognize how technology has increased access to so many more resources. And I would say every information occupation is constantly changing. My job is not the same as it was two and a half years ago when I started. And with this pandemic, I, I think everybody who has to work from home is learning new technologies and facing new challenges. And it's basically because you have to. Right. In fact, I think it was last week or the week before, it was soon after the pandemic started, I had three different online meetings through three different venues online. And the third one, I finally just had to abandon because I said, I can only learn two new technologies today. <laughs> I can't, a third is too much. I have to wait for tomorrow. <laughs> I find that at the library, we had to make a lot of changes. Like we had books that were on hold for patrons and we were changing when they might be available or how they could pick them up. And Usually it would be like one person that would do that, but we've had to make sure that everybody sort of knows what's going on. So we're co-training a little bit and making revisions as we have to. And the funny part was at our library, our assistant director had updated our pandemic policy last November. Oh, wow. And there's not too much of it that's really applicable down the road here. <laughs> it was helpful at first, but then it went out of control. So... How has COVID-19 impacted your library's plans for the summer and beyond? Do you know yet? Yeah, I was talking with our um, children's librarian today who is in Georgia helping out her mom and is on her way back. Nice part about working from home is you can work from home wherever you are. Um, summer reading program is extremely important to the community, not just to children. And the focus is on literacy and reading. This summer, we are really going to aim to stay in touch with families and provide screen-free activities and encourage reading goals. In the past, we've had pool parties and prizes at the end. Obviously, we will have to have different incentives. And the nice part is libraries share ideas. So across the country, libraries are being creative and sharing ideas. So there will still be summer reading programs. We won't be able to do a kickoff with a great big fair type event, but we will continue all summer long to have summer reading activities, as will Louisville Free Public Library and other libraries. We just keep trying to come up with what can we do. I'm working on a scavenger hunt for my grandsons right now that they can do from home that involves things like, you know, find something in the house that ends with the letter G 
things like that. You know, find a book that has a rainbow in it. Um, so there'll be a lot of creativity that'll come out. And I think this will be one of the best summer reading programs that we all come up with. The creativity that this is forcing people to have, I do think is another silver lining to the situation. I have seen lots of different children's authors who are now doing FaceTime Live or YouTube nightly bedtime stories, or um, uh, the guy who wrote the Captain Underpants series, Dave Pilkey. I saw that he was doing a, a like a doodle class online. And the Kentucky Author Forum was inviting children to do videos of them doing a book review and then they would post them on their site. And I've seen a couple of them and they're just adorable. Uh And I don't know that kids would normally do that otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Um, So I think it's encouraging literacy in a way that maybe we wouldn't have paid attention to before. My daughter is actually reading more now than she normally does. I think it's because, you know, when they're at school, her brain is so crammed full of stuff that when she comes home, the last thing she wants to do is put more stuff in her head. But now she's she actually picked up The Hobbit and is willingly reading it. And she finished another book last week that I'm now reading. So even though we miss the routine and and I know that we'll be glad when we can go back to whatever normal is going to be. It is nice to see that she's finding the time to read. So that's been good for us. Yeah. And I have to say, Amazon has helped a lot of us with in many ways through this. I decided the first week that I would send my grandsons a couple of books each. And I got a phone call from the six-year-old who said that he had read books one, three, five, six, seven, eight, nine, but he didn't have two because they were going to buy it at the Scholastic Book Fair before the pandemic hit. And obviously grandma needed to get that book for him. <laughs> My other grandson, I got a couple books for him. And then I said, well, if you finish those, Ben, what else would you like? And he called me back later and he said, grandma, this is nine-year-old. I want to learn about World War II. Oh, oh, wow. So I said, okay. And I got him a DK book that was all about World War II. And then oh, yeah. I found choose your own adventure book about World War II. Oh. Which he loves. (laughs) Now, I don't know how he feels about a female protagonist, but there's a really good book called The War That Saved My Life. Isn't that the name of it, Carrie? Yes. Yes. Uh, Kimberly Brubaker. Bradley. Bradley. And it's about a young girl in London during the war. And at that time, you know, they would send all the kids from London out to the countryside to live with families in case it was firebombed. And anyway, it's a wonderful book. So, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what he wanted. And so I didn't want anything that was all about the, you know, internment and the concentration camps. Right. right. So I got him the DK book because I figured that was a start. And then the other one sounded like historical fiction. Okay. But we'll see what he wants this week. <laughs> By the way, Carmichael's will deliver. If you order through them, they will mm-hmm. deliver to your home. I don't know if you knew that. Um, or their home. Lives over. If they're here. Well, my sister lives over in that area, and she and her husband, I think, ordered books and went and picked them up because they wanted to give some Easter books to his kids. Yeah. His kids. So yeah, I'm whatever we can do to support them. And I have gone and gotten puzzles from uh, Barnes and Noble. Oh. And it's the same thing. Well, you order it online, so you go to their website, you order it online, 
and then you can drive to their store and pick it up and they have a little table outside and they'll if you call them and say okay I'm here they'll just come and put it on that table we are going to take a break and when we come back we are going to be talking with Patty about what we're all reading So we're back with Patty Clark and Carrie, and I can't see Carrie, but I'm still going to ask her what she's reading. Well, I've actually finished reading this. It's a book by a Louisville author. The book is called A White Wind Blue, and it's by James Markert. The setting is Waverly Hills Tuberculosis Sanatorium, which is in the southwestern part of the county. I have never been there. And so reading this book made me very interested in learning about Waverly Hills. Now, people go there now. It's It got run down over the years. I think there is a foundation that's been established to try to get it back to its original state or as close as possible. But there are a lot of, I guess, paranormal tours that take place there now. It was basically a hospital for people who had... TB. And so this novel tells the story of a doctor named Wolfgang Pike, and he's also a musician. And so it's about how he treats the patients for their physical symptoms, but also how his music helps them on a spiritual level and a a psychological level. It's a very slow paced book. I mean, it's not like super action packed, but I enjoyed it. There was a a wide range of characters. So he's kind of the main character, but we learn about his wife who has died. And that's a, a little bit of a twist. You're expecting it to be one way and then you find out it's different. And then there's a whole cast of characters who are also musicians, but there are patients at the sanatorium. So I really enjoyed it. I mean, again, it, it, if you're wanting like a fast paced action book, this probably would not suit you. But if you're interested, I think in learning a little bit about Louisville, because it mentions not just Waverly Hills, but other things that are specific to Louisville. I feel like it's a good book that if somebody wasn't from here and they wanted to get a feel for the city and its history, that that would be a good book for them to read. So that's that's what I read. I have been to Waverly Hills a couple times for the paranormal tours, and it's really fascinating over there. But even though people think of it as being a haunted place, its start was really of something good. And it was a sanitarium for a while, and then it was also a nursing home, I believe. But it's it's worldwide known for being one of the most haunted places around. In fact, mm. we had a Norwegian exchange student last year, and she was very much into paranormal types of things. But when she came here, she didn't realize that this was the location of Waverly Hills. And when I asked her if she might like to go, she said, you mean the Waverly Hills? <laughs> That's here? And I said, yes. So it is known widely for that. It's available on Libby. The you book's can- available on Libby? Yes, it is. Yeah, I, I want to read it because I've seen the other side of it, the more the haunted side, should we say. I'm, I'm interested in the not haunted side. So I'd like to read that one. 
up until reading this book, I never, I mean, I knew about it, but I never had any interest in visiting, but this book made me want to take one of the historical tours. So that is on my to-do list once we get back to being able to go outside of our houses. I, I want to get over there because they do have a historical tour. You can make appointments and they do have the paranormal, but they also have historical tours. So Patty, what have you been reading? Not as much. <laughs> I'm reading The Wonder, which I think I picked up from one of your podcasts by Emma Donnelly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm really enjoying that. So when I'm reading, I'm reading that. I'm on hold for The Authenticity Project by Claire Pooley. That is one that I, I do want to read. And I said, I picked up Hawaii by James Michener. I have to say more of my time right now, I'm listening to podcasts. I prefer to get outside and walk around social distancing if I can. So I've got several good um, podcasts that I listen to. And for work, I've been trying to find podcasts that relate to books and reading and writing um, so I can share those with my colleagues. Do you have any you want to share with us? One of my favorite right now is from the BBC. It's called Desert Island Discs. And apparently it's been going for years in England. And the hosts interview all kinds of different people. I was listening to one with Kelsey Grammer um, yesterday. And the premise is that this celebrity or whoever is going to be set off to a desert island. And so they talk about what are their favorite eight discs in their life and what they were happy with. And then at the end, she sends them off with one of those, the Bible, the complete works of Shakespeare, and then their choice of a book. So it's just a fun thing to listen to and get to know other people. And I love Endless Thread, which is another podcast. I think that's the one from Reddit. And then my sister turned me on to one called Laughter Permitted, which has Julie Foudy or the U.S. soccer star as the host. I'll listen to all kinds of stuff. I've not heard of any of those. And I feel like I have listened to quite a few literary podcasts. So I'm going to have They're to check some of those literary. out. But it's amazing how often somebody will say, oh, and I really like this book or the author so-and-so said this. Tell me a little bit more about the Michener book, because I've never read any James Michener. I read my first one years ago when we were moving from California to Virginia, and that one was called Chesapeake. And he really does start off back when there was, you know, like almost no civilization and it was creatures roaming the ground and gradually how the natives lived their lives and, you know, the crabs and the ecosystems in the area. And then he creates these characters and families and events that go on that include what actually went on, crabbing and the oyster industry, and then the damage to the those industries because of pollution. And, and I think that one actually went up through the Nixon administration and then it ended. And like I said, I read the Alaska one when we were going there. And that was so helpful because then I understood the salmon industry and the Russian influence in the area and that type of thing. And he does this with most of his books, right? I know you said you yeah. were trying to read Hawaii and I know he has others. So they start at the very beginning of time for that particular area and go up through sort of contemporary time. Well, he's not a living author. And I want to say anything that he wrote ended probably in the 80s or 90s. So like I said, they're not new, but for what they are, they're very helpful for learning and enjoying. But they're fiction. Yes. And they're, um, and they're big. Yeah. A lot of, you know, half price books and that type of store have them because they were published tremendously in paperback. 
Amy, I'm really surprised that you haven't read any of those because you're such a deep dive person. Maybe you just haven't gone to any of those places recently. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Sometimes I don't like a really big book. So, I mean, there's Texas. He has a Texas one, Caribbean, Poland. Wasn't there one about Colorado? Is there one about Colorado? I think so. And there's also one about the Middle East, I believe, because I think my mm. sister read that when she was going to be traveling. They, it sounds like, oh, gosh, I don't want this great big long historical fiction book. But you quickly are introduced to characters and creatures. And, and they're very, I think they're easy to jump into. It does sound like there'd be a great book to read when we're all stuck inside and dreaming about traveling to some other place. <laughs> the Caribbean one is sounding particularly interesting right now. <laughs> Right before the library closed and we were still getting returns, there were all these travel books coming in and you knew that people had just had to totally cancel their travel plans. Oh, sad. Well, Amy, what have you been reading? I finished fairly recently a book called The Need by Helen Phillips and it was published last year. And I would say that this book is really hard to categorize. It's even a little hard for me to talk about without giving some of the book away, but I'll, I'll do my best. I don't want to give any spoilers, but it's a, just an extremely thought-provoking book. And after I read it, I thought, how would this be categorized in a bookstore or a library? Because it doesn't fit squarely into one genre, in my opinion. Is it a thriller? Is it speculative fiction? Is it a book about mental illness? Is it a portal science fiction book? And it might be all of those things. And the reader has to decide for themselves. And I have a definite opinion about what I think it is. But if you read it, I'd love for you to reach out to me and, and let me know what your opinion is. So it's the story of a woman named Molly, who's a wife and a mother. She has two young children, a four-year-old and a baby who's maybe around six or seven months old. And Molly is still breastfeeding. And I mentioned the breastfeeding part because... It feels like a very important part of the story. Molly is just trying to keep her head above water with these two kids. The oldest is still mastering using the toilet on her own and is in the question phase and throws embarrassing tantrums. All of these things any parent would recognize as part of being a mother and a father. The baby must nurse, needs diaper changes, is crawling into everything that he shouldn't be into. So the book very successfully shows us the very normal, maybe boring, but also highly stressful life of raising young children. And during this period of the book, Molly's husband is out of the country on a business trip. And so she has to juggle all these kids' needs by herself. But Molly's a working mother. So she's also a paleobotanist. She's a scientist who studies fossils of ancient plants. And she's part of a team of scientists who were uncovering fossils at a local dig site that's behind an old gas station where she lives. And they've uncovered prehistoric plants that no one has ever seen before. But Molly has also uncovered some artifacts of her own at this site. And they're very strange because they're somewhat unexplainable. The most reasonable explanation is that these items are a hoax. Items that someone else has placed there to cause controversy or to cause a stir. So the type of artifacts that Molly has found, she's found an old Coke can that has a design that Coke never used. You find a toy plastic soldier that has a monkey's tail. But the strangest thing that she has found is a Bible from the 1920s that uses she as a pronoun for God. 
So she even calls the publisher to ask them if they've ever printed a Bible such as this. And the company says, no, they, they never have. So this gets a lot of publicity and a lot of press, as you can imagine. And people start to want to come and see it and to see the dig. And some of the people are just curious, but there's quite a few that are more uh, what we would call maybe religious zealots. So the scientific team has been receiving threats by mail. And some of the people on the tour groups seem disturbed and threatening towards them. But they continue to do these tours because it raises money for the dig that they're doing. Early in the book, Molly comes home one night and she's alone there with her children while her husband's away on a business trip. And she realizes that there's an intruder in her home. And the intruder is disguised, but leaves her a note to feed the children, put them to bed, call the babysitter, and then meet them outside at her car. And if she doesn't do this, she'll relive to regret it, and the police won't believe her. So Molly assumes that the intruder is one of the people who has been sending threatening messages to the work site. And so she follows the instructions. And when the intruder finally gets her to an off-site location and reveals themselves, Molly's shocked to find that it's someone who knows her better than almost anyone else. So this book is a very quick and suspenseful read. It has very short chapters, which keeps the action and the reader moving quickly through it. Each chapter might only be two to three pages long. It get, kept me guessing throughout. It made me really think a lot about the pressures of motherhood, about being a working mother, about how you have so many roles to juggle, and the implications of a Bible with a she, and I'm putting the she in quotation marks. Listed as Goodreads Choice Award for Horror in 2019. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of it as horror, but I guess it could be in that category too. The book definitely ends in a way that leaves you wondering about a couple of issues. And if you hate a book where there's not a definite answer to what happens, this might not be the book for you. There's not a huge amount of clarity except for what you as the reader give it. And I have a very definite idea about what I think happens. But if you are a reader who can handle a little uncertainty and it's like a puzzle to figure out, then you should read this book. And I'd like to hear your interpretation. You found out about that one. Weren't you looking for like short, quick reads? Yes, I had done a, you know, I had just done a search for what are some good short books. And this one was on that list. And even though the page count, I think it might be 300 pages. The page count is not super short. Like I said, the chapters are so short that you can just really zip through it in no time at all. At some point, I'd heard you talk about this book, but now I'm even more interested after hearing you talk about it. This a time. second time? Uh, yes. So. <laughs> well, I'll be interested to see what people think. Because like I said, if a lot of people cannot stand an ending where they're not sure what happens. And to me, this is definitely one of those books. But because I already had in my head what I thought happened, it didn't bother me as much. But I would love to talk to somebody about it. It's definitely a book that you want to talk to somebody about it after you read it to say, well, what did you think happened? Sounds yeah. like a book club book. you know if you're in a reading slump it might be a good book to read to get you through it because it moves so fast so i highly recommend it i hope to hope to talk to somebody about it all right cool well when we come back we are going to talk with patty about her top five (laughs) 
We are back with Patty Clark, and we're going to be asking her her top five. Patty, you went skiing in Colorado back, I think it was either January or February before social distancing. What is your top ski location and why is it your top? My favorite is Snowmass, Colorado. It's um, near Aspen. It's way up in the Rocky Mountains. And my parents bought a house there 25 years ago. So we've been going up there both in the summer and the winter for many years. And specifically, I like it as a ski area because there's wide open slopes and great powder for skiing and beautiful views. I always take work when we go there thinking, okay, I'll get a little work done or books read. And I don't, I just sit and enjoy the beauty of it and being exhausted. So have you been skiing your whole life? Um, I started skiing when I was probably elementary school and skied through high school and then moved around a lot and picked it up again when I was in my early 30s. And it's amazing how easy it can come back to you. I think that skiing might be one of those things, though, that unless you start it when you're a kid is really hard to pick up because we, as a family, tried to pick up skiing and my kids were little. And so I'm sure that they could have continued on and learned how to do it. But trying to start it as a 30 year old, you realize it really hurts when you fall. (laughs) And it didn't when you were little, right? But that's not one of those hobbies that I'm going to take up in my middle age, I must say. My recommendation though, is if anybody does decide they want to do it, invest in one to two full days of private instruction. It's expensive, but they teach you how to fall so it doesn't hurt so much and how oh. to get up. <laughs> and and then it becomes something that's worth worth your time. So did you read that James Mishner Colorado book? Any of those times that you've gone? No. <laughs> oh, I, oh, excuse me. I did. I did one summer. <laughs> I was thinking about snowing and skiing. And, it, you know, yes, I did read that long time ago, because we were going to go to Mesa Verde, which is at the four corners of several states, and it's good read. So what is the top thing that you plan to do during the quarantine at your house that you've been putting off? Well, it's hard to say anything, because then I feel like I'm going to be held to it. (laughs) (laughs) No judgment. We won't hold you to it. We promise. Well, I am still working at home, but the one thing I really would like to do is I have an app called Paprika 3, and it's a recipe storage app. What I like about it is that it also has a browser, so I can look for a recipe in the browser and download it to the app and get rid of all the advertisement and all the other fluff that you normally see when you find a recipe online. And it also has a shopping list. So if you're going to make something, you can toss the shopping things into it. So my goal is to get a lot of my recipes that I really like into the Paprika app, which just means sitting down and entering them in with some good music Hmm. podcast. So can you upload recipes from Pinterest? Do you know? I don't know if you can upload them from Pinterest. Good question. I'd have to try that. Well, I I mean, I guess if you're on Pinterest, you can always just go, like if you're getting it off of a, you know, a food blog or something, you could go to the food blog and maybe. Exactly. Yeah. Recipe that I've made for years. And the other day I found out that it's an Ina Garten recipe. And so I was able to find it in the Paprika app and I downloaded it. And now I don't have to go looking for the recipe every time I want it. Oh, the nice part is too, is you can share recipes very easy. I send them to my sister, my mom, whoever. And then if you're with somebody who also has an Apple phone, you can airdrop the recipes to somebody. Oh, that's handy. I do not like to cook. We've we've had this discussion on one of our podcasts 
<laughs> before, but does it get rid of all the, the talky, the wordiness before the recipe? Because I, I need recipes. I just want the recipes. I don't need to hear what motivated the recipe, what inspired the recipe, all that stuff. Yes, it does. <laughs> Can you tell I like that feature? <laughs> I am down. And you said it's called paprika, right? Yeah, I think it's called okay. paprika three. And I want to say it's like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. But I researched it before I bought it. Being a research librarian, that's what I do. Is it a good purchase? And it got very high reviews. And I've had it for two years, and it's terrific. Cool. Well, that's always good to know. I'm always hesitant to buy apps that cost money. But yeah. then sometimes then when I get ones that are free, like for instance, I recently asked Carrie to join Words with Friends with me so that we could play Scrabble online. And the free version has a million ads for other games and it's annoying me and I might have to upgrade and pay some money. <laughs> Carrie would be willing to do that too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Patty, you enjoy lots of different kinds of exercise. Explain what Bollywood is and what the top benefit that you get from it is. So I don't know if I'm defining it exactly the way someone who teaches it or is into it would. It's aerobic exercise and dance combined with great music from Indian films or that culture. It's not difficult to learn or follow. I prefer group exercise classes to going to the gym myself. Um, it's just a lot of encouragement, no expectation that you can dance or have, you know, great skills. Um, you just keep moving. And after the end of 45, 50 minutes, you've gotten a great workout and listen to some fun music and lots of smiles. I don't, I've never done Bollywood, but when I went to the gym before the pandemic, I would do hip hop classes and I really love them. That's my preferred form of exercise is some kind of dance because to me, it, I feel like I'm having fun and I don't think as much about the actual exercise part, which I don't like. But since I've been home, I have found on YouTube, you can find a lot of great workouts. So I search under Zumba or hip hop, but I'm sure you could search under Bollywood. And if you have it like a Roku and can get it on your television, then it's on the big screen yeah. for you and it's easy to do. So what is the top activity that you like to do with your two grandsons? Probably outside activities are my favorites, um, going for walks or hiking or swimming. We had a great vacation last summer on a lake in Idaho, and that was a lot of fun. We had some paddle boards, so they like to jump in the water and climb on the paddle board and pretend that I was their taxi service taking them around. <laughs> outside is, is what I enjoy most, or cuddling. I miss the cuddling right now. FaceTime is not oh, the same. Oh, it's not the same, is it? No. Now, do they live here in town? No, they're in Pennsylvania. So okay. all grandparents are doing our social distancing, but boy, are we going to be visiting afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> what is the top activity that you like to do while you are listening to an audiobook? It's a toss-up between walking and baking. I'm impressed that you can bake and still listen to an audiobook because... I guess maybe I'm not a good multitasker, but I lose track of what the story is because I have to pay attention to what the measurements are. Well, I, I usually have to check the measurements a couple of times because I think I know and then I go back and I check it before I actually pour it in. Um, it depends on what you're listening to. I'm such a bad cook that nobody wants me. It's I have a hard enough time cooking anything edible when I'm giving it my full attention. So I think it would be bad news if I tried to listen to an audiobook. 
Sorry, I think you need to get the app and then let me share a couple easy recipes with you so you'll be happy here. <laughs> okay, that sounds like a plan. I need as much help as I can get. I have to say, during this uh, quarantine period, I have taken up doing puzzles and I've been really enjoying doing those with my daughter. And I have tried listening to some audiobook and podcasts while doing that. I'm not sure if I'm successful. I, I still am having a hard time concentrating, but that's another activity that I've tried doing audiobooks with. But walking my dogs is really my favorite. There's favorite another one. really fun thing to do. You mentioned jigsaw puzzles. There's a social media site called nextdoor.com. And I've used that several times to swap jigsaw puzzles that we've finished. Oh, that's a good idea. I'm getting a collection of ones that I want to swap with somebody once they're ready to swap. Carrie Vitito. <laughs> She's got a puzzle or two for me, maybe. I don't know. But I don't, the problem is she doesn't want my puzzles because they don't no. have cat, cats on them. I'm happy to take them. I'm just a very slow puzzle person. Like, I have to be quarantined in order to willingly do a puzzle. Like, that's what it takes for me. Puzzling is not my strong suit. So I'll get it done. I don't need this pressure from you. <laughs> All right. I'll only pressure you in private, not on, on the air. How about that? Thank you. Come on. Right. This is stressful, Amy. It's stressful anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, Patty, thank you so much for being with us and telling us all about the different things that people can find at their local library to help help pass the time in this quarantine period. We You're appreciate welcome. it. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. For show notes for any episode, please go to our blog site at www.perksofbeingabooklover.com. Follow us on Facebook at Perks of Being a Book Lover and on Instagram at Perks of Being a Book Lover Pod to see what we're up to and when new episodes air. If you enjoy our show, spread the word and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. That helps other listeners find us. Finally, a huge thank you to Forward Radio 106.5 FM, a grassroots, community-based radio station in Louisville, Kentucky. You can find our show there, live or in archives, at forwardradio.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts.